Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Beth Underhill, and she is a founder of Lifestyle Equities Group, Lifestyle Ventures, and the CMO of MTN Investment Group. She's active in construction and real estate for over 20 years. She's redeveloped over $5 million in single-family homes, as well as assisted in the construction of over $35 million in outdoor living spaces. Currently, she's a co-GP on over 500 multifamily units, 126-bed student housing property. She holds equity in an RV park and a hotel in Panama and hosts an Airbnb arbitrage. So she has a host, a wide variety of experience within real estate. She does a bunch of different things. And so I'm really excited to have you on the show today, Beth. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. So Beth, can you start off by sharing a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate? Absolutely. So real estate has been something that my husband and I have always dabbled in. It goes out all the way back to about 2005 when we had considered purchasing a franchise. And it was a franchise to help buyers actually reduce the fees or I should say minimize the fees that are associated with putting their houses on the market. So this particular franchise would have been the type that a buyer comes to the franchise, wants to list their home. So the franchise lists it on the MLS for nominal dollars. They're not paying the commission, the 3% that you typically would pay for a realtor to list your home. So we had considered doing that. I actually started taking real estate classes. And then life just happened. And we opted not to follow that direction, follow that path. And instead, we just continue to build our outdoor living space construction company instead. Fast forward to 2018, middle of the night, my husband, he struggles with sleep apnea. He was two o'clock in the morning, (laughs) had the TV on. There was an infomercial on how to fix and flip single family homes. And he signed us up to go to a one day wonder workshop, as I call it. So we ended up at this one day wonder, which led to a three day weekend workshop that led to a five day bus tour out in California. And we are from the Midwest. We live in Cincinnati, Ohio. And that's what started our journey actually into real estate. So we began fixing and flipping single family homes. We like to say that we redeveloped them as opposed to fixing and flipping. We weren't doing the typical lipstick on a pig. We were actually adding thousand square foot additions, popping roofs off and building second stories to homes and so forth. And really taking older homes, especially in and around the area that we live, there's a lot of homes from the 1920s, 1930s, and so forth. And so taking them down to the bare bones and just rebuilding them up. So that's how we got started. And eventually I pivoted into commercial real estate and here I am today. So that night when your husband had watched that infomercial and he had brought up and let you know that, hey, we're going to this workshop I guess, what was your thought behind it at that time? And were you like on board with it? Or did you think like, oh, where did this come from? So this wouldn't be the first time that my husband has done something like this. (laughs) So it was no surprise, right? So middle of the night, sometimes he'll be ordering things off of Home Shopping Network or whatever, and packages will show up at our door. I'm like, what is this? 
So again, not the first time. However, it wasn't the first time that we had talked about it, right? We knew that we had the expertise with our outdoor construction and we thought, why not? Why not be able to take what we already know on the outside and then translate that to the inside? So it seemed like a natural progression for us. So I really didn't think he was too far off his rocker other than doing this in the middle of the night. So after that workshop, what did you take away from it that allowed you to enable you to move forward and start actually getting into the redeveloping business? There was a lot of knowledge, obviously. They taught us many of the do's and don'ts. Some of them we paid attention to, some of them we did not. And again, they were seasoned experts. They knew what they were doing. And that's one of the things when you go to some of these workshops, you do really want to follow in the footsteps of the guidance that they have. But we came away with a ton of knowledge and not only the knowledge, but also the relationships. And the relationships were very key because we had people that we could turn to to ask questions. We had potential investors that wanted to partner up with us. Having the construction background that we did, there were many people that didn't have that knowledge. And so they maybe had the money. And so they came to us and said, hey, look, can we partner together? We trust that you know what you're doing because you've been doing this to some degree. And so we want to feel that our money is going to be safe and we trust that you would take care of it and would find some good homes, find some good potential redevelopment projects and make money. So it was very valuable. And I think anytime that you can attend any sort of workshop, you're always going to walk away with relationships that can be invaluable to building your business. So the first couple of deals, those were with partners as well, or was that just all on your own with you and your husband? No, actually they were with partners. So they were the partners that we met through this workshop. This workshop, after you walked away, there was this Facebook group that had 5,000 members to it and so forth. So plenty of people to be doing business together. And it was nice to actually go in and not do this alone because sometimes when you start alone, you feel alone. And we didn't feel that way. So it was more than one person making decisions and getting a really solid experience of what a partnership is all about. My husband and I were used to working businesses ourselves. And we've built businesses together for 23 years. So we're used to each other, but enter someone new into the mix. And that's always fun. That's always fun to challenge yourself with how you deal with other people, other personalities, and how they actually respond to you as well. So... How did you and your husband, because you mentioned you and your husband run another business together, so you understand and you trust and have built that relationship between the two of you. When you're bringing in another partner into a business as well, and you're going to work on a project together, what are some of the things that you looked for that made you comfortable moving forward with a partnership or joining in on a project with someone? And how did you vet that partnership? Sure. Well, our first partnership, the investor, he actually is a pilot. So he made it very clear from the beginning that he was going to be more hands-off and simply because he'd be up in the air. So if decisions needed to be made, he trusted that we would make the right decisions, especially when it came to construction. Now he controlled all the money. So that's where we said, okay, if you're controlling the money, that's fine. We'll just keep coming to you and giving you progress reports, updates when we need payments for X, Y, and Z and whatnot. So that was really an easy division because 
he was leaving the construction component in our hands and the financial piece was left in his hands. However, we worked really well together. We met for lunch. We just made sure that everybody was on the same page with what we wanted to see for the outcome of the project itself. And I think that really set the tone for the partnership itself. Another gentleman that we partnered with, he loved to be hands-on. He wanted to be hands-on. He made it known from the very beginning that he could do electrical work, he could do plumbing, et cetera, et cetera. He could do drywall for that matter. And so he was going to be on the project every single day, regardless of whether or not we had another contractor there, which was fine. This is what he liked to do. This is how he operated his life anyway. And I wasn't about to stop him. I wanted him to feel comfortable with it. And if that was going to make him feel comfortable with it, then by all means. But he did, we'll say this, he always deferred to me anything related to design. He's like, you're the designer. And he would always say that you're the designer. So I'm going to leave this up to you. He didn't always like, of course, we're in this time frame, right? Where everything is gray walls or very light and you have the vinyl plank flooring, which is maybe a gray or brown or something like He would always comment, well, I don't really think I like that, but you're the designer and you know better. And <laughs> so I got a kick out of that. But anyways, we made it through and I respected what he was capable of bringing to the table. And the same was true for my husband and I. Was there any major differences coming from an outdoor construction background and bringing that into the interior of the house and working that? And were there things that you didn't expect as you were working through the inside of the property versus outside? Well, having built outdoor construction spaces, we know them well, right? We know our costs. We know everything associated with it. We also know our contractors that we work with. We typically don't deal with drywall, for instance. Sometimes we deal with paint. We don't always deal with plumbers outdoors. We definitely deal more with electricians. But having to deal with other contractors and just see how they operate, that was eye-opening for us. We know how we operate as a general contractor, and we know how we take care of our clients. Whatever we say we're going to do, we do. So if we're going to be there on a Tuesday, we're there on a Tuesday, barring any unforeseen circumstances. And unlike actually doing construction indoors versus outdoors, we have to contend with weather all the time versus indoors, you don't. So the excuses that seem to come from contractors working indoors was just mind-blowing. I mean, I heard things I never heard before. I'm like, who can make this stuff up? But clearly they were coming up with these excuses. And I'm thinking to myself, we have never provided that kind of an excuse to one of our clients for an outdoor project. And we have to contend with mother nature. If it rains on a Tuesday, if we can't come back on Wednesday because it's too wet, then we let the customer know, but we're there on Thursday. Whereas unfortunately, construction, their contractors are infamous for collecting money and then never showing back up again. So we did see some of that, which was sad, which was unfortunate. But really, I mean, going down to the studs, dealing with the bones of a house, drywall work, tile and whatnot, relatively new tile, especially for me, for instance. So yeah, there's definitely some similarities, but I think we thought there would be more similarities than what there really were. And it proved to be more of a challenge that eventually we decided that we wanted to pivot. And that's how we ended up in commercial real estate. So talk to us a little bit about that pivot time period and how did you make that transition and how did you find out about commercial real estate and how did you get into that first deal? Sure, absolutely. So we started redeveloping in 2019, worked our way through COVID, and we were still, of course, able to redevelop. And then 
sometime around, I would say June of 2021. So about two and a half years after our very first purchase of a fix and flip, I have this news app and I was scrolling on the news app and I came across an ad that talked about multifamily, getting involved in multifamily. And this particular group was coming to Cincinnati and they were going to do a one-day wonder workshop. <laughs> and so I thought, you know what? Why not? I've been through this rodeo before. I'll do it again and I'll see what happens. So one of our investors who was part of our fix and flips redevelopments, I told him about it and he's like, I want to go. And I said, okay. So we went together. We ended up signing up for the three-day weekend event. And then they had a subsequent bus tour as well. And I was bit with the bug from that moment on. And I immediately hopped on Facebook and I started diving into as many Facebook groups as I possibly could, friend requesting people who I felt had knowledge and could provide value. And that was kind of the start of where my commercial path took off. And it was through just creating so many different relationships with individuals that were involved in different asset types, that that's how I ended up with partnerships, that one partnership went after student housing, another one after multifamily, another one after hotels. And I ended up meeting someone off of TikTok and he and I did an Airbnb arbitrage together. So who knew that that would happen? But yeah, I mean, really it's all came from relationship building and that's how I've been able to be in multiple asset types. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. We kind of heard a little bit about your husband, how it's not unusual for him to buy an infomercial or to see an infomercial or buy certain things and letting you know about it later on. Was that something that you also experienced like for yourself? Like, did you also purchase things and then bring it up to him later on? Or was this or this ad that you saw for multifamily? Was that something unusual that you would typically do? And just kind of curious what sparked your interest in that ad? Sure. So the investor partner that I took with me, he and I had been talking as we continued to redevelop projects together. He made a comment to me at one point. He said, my goal is to buy a hundred unit apartment building. And I looked at him and I'm like, how in the heck do you think you're going to do that? And he's like, oh, there's so many ways to do it. And he's older than I am. So of course he's got some knowledge and he already has some duplexes and single family rentals and whatnot. So he had been dabbling in that. And so when I saw this ad, I thought to myself, well, you know what? I want to understand this more. Like, what is it about my investor friend had said 100 unit apartment building? How can I do that? Maybe this is the answer. So while my husband, yes, typically does that, I would say on occasion, I'm that same way, just not as often as he is. But yes, I dove into it because I thought to myself, you know what? I think the universe is trying to tell me something. I've heard this now a couple different times and why not take a look and see where it gets me. So when you actually went into that three-day weekend workshop and then you did the bus tour, what was it about it then that solidified your move and your pivot into getting into commercial real estate? 
I think the thing that really solidified it was that you can do this and it doesn't require everything that you think it requires. I thought I would have to have all of this money in the bank to make it happen. I would have to have credit and line up so many different pieces and parts. And where am I going to find all these investors and so forth? And once I went to the workshop and I realized, okay, this is more of a team sport and I love to be on teams. I do love that. I enjoy it. I enjoy the camaraderie that comes along with it. I enjoy everybody pushing forward, pushing to the end, trying to get a deal done and whatnot. So when I realized that it was not going to take what I thought it was going to take, I was like, okay, this is going to be easier than what I had actually built up in my head. And I think too often we do that, right? We don't know enough about something. So we've built up in our mind that, oh, it it can't be done. It's going to be difficult. And then really, once it gets broken down for you and you see how all the pieces fit and how the game plays, you're like, oh, okay, well, all right. If they can do it, what's to stop me from doing it? And you hear all these success stories, people who are maybe had financial troubles and end up with a thousand units, multifamily and so forth. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, I can go to work. I can put the effort in and I can make it happen. So that's what I did. So after you went to the workshop, you said you networked as many people as you could, started to build those relationships. So then now all these deal flow and different opportunities are coming your way. How did you differentiate or what did you look for in specific partnerships that you wanted to participate in and that you wanted to jump on board with those groups or that opportunity? What made it a good opportunity for you? Sure. So several different things. I mean, first off, I'll talk about the hotel in Panama, Central America that I have equity in. I really liked the partnership that I was going to be aligned with. I liked the partnership. I liked Panama as a country, as an area to be investing in. I liked their business model. And I love the hospitality industry. I used to work in a hotel. I've been part of the service industry and restaurants managing and so forth. So I thought to myself, okay, this one makes sense. And so far it's done well and it's doing well and it'll be a good long-term investment. Another one, another partnership that I have, I was actually approached just through networking conversations and so forth to join a group. There were three principals that were forming a new entity at the end of 2021, in December of 2021. And just through talking with all of them, they had asked me, they're like, hey, we need someone to just sort of head up our marketing and build a website and maybe get some marketing for us, logos, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, hey, I'm on board. Just tell me what to do. What was funny because about two months into it, they're like, we're going to give you 10% of the company. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Okay, I'll take 10% of the company, right? And after that, things just took off with this particular group. And we ended up closing on 70 units in Wichita, Kansas. This is in 2022, by the way. And then 126 bed student housing. And the interesting part of that is that's where I really was able to just kind of get dirty with multifamily and understand the process, especially of a syndication. So I was tasked with setting up a new portal for our syndication for the 126-bed student housing. I did the pitch deck. I was handling all of the investor relations, taking care of all the K-1s, a ton of legal things that I never thought I would have to be involved with. But thank goodness for some of my previous business experiences that allowed me to understand the legalities that were coming along with this. And at the same time, I was marketing the property and marketing the company. So it was quite a journey, but one that I wouldn't trade for the world because all of that hands-on experience for about, I would say... 
six to eight months, I mean, just took my level of understanding about multifamily syndications from a three to maybe an eight or nine. And there's still more to learn. So I want to go back really quickly for the hotel in Panama that you had invested in. You said you liked the group and the business model. Can you share some of the questions that you had asked or what are some of the questions that you had asked that made it a good business model or that you liked about the particular group? Sure. The history actually with the group and their history in the hospitality industry, I think was for me, the biggest thing that made me trust that they were going to take care of this deal. We were able to get the hotel actually through a master lease agreement, which we are looking to move away from that master lease agreement and finally finance out the owners. But I think it was just their experience. It was a partnership and one of them came with greater experience than the other, but they both are were familiar to the area as well too. And I think that's really important when you know, or when your partners know the area and they understand like what the dynamics are, what's happening. I think that's key because you don't want to go into a market blindly. And we had a lot of good momentum too. If you've ever heard of, I'm sure you have the TV show Survivor, they actually come to Panama quite often and they do a lot of filming in and around the area. So they like to use this particular hotel as their like base camp, which is great because sometimes they'll rent it out then for several months out of the year, which makes for wonderful cash flow for us. So we had some positive things going already and what they wanted to do improvement wise and so forth. I ended up bringing an investor to the table who brought capital. And that particular investor has already visited the property. He loved it. He thinks it has, again, so much potential. We just have some renovation work to just continue to do to get it to the level that we'd like to see it at. So overall, though, I'm pleased with the direction that it's going. So Beth, what's next for you? And what are you looking to focus on in the upcoming future? Sure. So let's see. Right now, I have a couple of student housing properties under contract. So currently raising for that have some potential land development that I'm working on both here in Cincinnati and then down in the Southeast. And then currently we are, and this is a different partnership, looking to solidify a hotel deal that is in Antigua. And so hopefully we have that locked up by either the end of this month or early September, and then see where that takes us. We're pretty excited about that particular deal. It has 74 keys. The NOI is insane. And we look to just improve occupancy and continue the NOI, add probably maybe do some renovations of some sort. But overall, the property is running smoothly. The donors are just tired. They're ready to move on and they want to see it in good hands. So that's what we hope to do. So how has real estate investing impacted your life, Beth? Mm, Boy, in so many different ways. Number one, I'm looking forward to the legacy that I am building for my daughter that I plan to pass along to her. Number two, it's given me a level of confidence that I didn't have with previous businesses. Number three, it's really pushed me to put myself out there more, which is something that I hadn't done in a long time. And so many of our businesses that my husband and I had early on, social media wasn't a thing. And so we were from sort of the old school of, oh, you have to advertise in magazines and word of mouth and referrals and so forth. And so just understanding social media and the impact it can play. I love to be a student. And so it's continued to actually 
push me mentally and physically for that matter. So I'm excited about the direction that I've taken in life as a result. I think it's just been a wonderful journey. And I think if anyone can go down the path, I would highly recommend it. And I'm happy to help. And if there's one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? That I should have started a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody can kick themselves and say, oh gosh. And I think I was telling this story the other day. I wish I would have kept down that path of real estate back in 2000. I think it was around 2005 that my husband and I investigated. My journey would have been so much different in life. I don't think I would have had some of the other businesses, which I feel very blessed to have had those businesses. However, I would have loved to have been in a different position in life than I am right now. And I think real estate could have gotten me there a lot faster. And what is the one thing that sets successful people apart in real estate investing? consistency. You can't give up on it, right? I mean, you're going to have deals that are going to go south. You're going to have deals that aren't going to work out, aren't going to come to fruition. I can't even tell you how many that I thought I would have at one point in time. And oh, by December, we should be closed on this or by March, we'll have this property. And it's okay. It doesn't happen on your timeline. And the properties that are supposed to be in your life will be in your life. And the ones that aren't supposed to be in your life, you know what, for whatever reason, they figure out how not to be. And that's okay. And you never want to get too attached to any particular property. Emotions definitely need to be set aside in this business. So Beth, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Sure. They can visit my website, lifestyleequitiesgroup.com. And there are two E's in there between lifestyle and equities. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Investing with Beth. You can reach me on LinkedIn under Beth Januzzi Underhill. You can always call or text 513-470-1078 or shoot me an email, Beth at lifestyleequitiesgroup.com. Awesome. Beth, thank you so much for all your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.